You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. The kids are off to Kids Church, and today we want to talk about God's abundant supply, the abundant supply. So from the Christian Standard Bible, I'm going to read from Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 10 through 20. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you, Philippians, know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving or receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, I'm going to put this over here because if I don't, this stand's going to fall over. So, all right, the abundant supply. Do you feel abundantly supplied? What things do you value the most? If your house was on fire and you had some time to take some stuff out of it, to rescue some stuff, what would you save? What are the things that you would save? Uh, in, a, uh, in the San Francisco Gates from October 2017, there was an article that talked about what people grab in times of fire. For those who had time to escape the wildfires of 2017 in California, the question was, what do we grab? As flames burled toward their homes, devouring block after block, residents had 15 minutes, in some cases 15 seconds, to grab what they needed. A musician opted for the violin. A golfer grabbed his clubs. A bride-to-be remembered her dress. Many dived for the practical, toiletries and clothes. Others fumbled through boxes and old photo albums, desperate to save memories. One woman grabbed diapers, wipes, and clothes for her kids, but nothing for herself. An 82-year-old woman grabbed her walker and, of all things, a hairbrush, but forgot her husband's thyroid medication. As Tonya Whitaker, 31, sat with her kids on a blanket in the corner of the Petaluma Community Center shelter, her voice quivered as she went down the list of things that could currently be in flames, sonograms, her child's children's first teeth, their umbilical cords. The new bike her older son recently got for his seventh birthday. It's kind of icky. Of all of his, in all of his unopened presents, at least one man, 57-year-old Michael Dornbach, died refusing to leave something behind. I'm not leaving without my truck. I know how that feels. Dornbach told his nephew who begged him to flee without the vehicle. A clinical psychologist noted, we're so used to being in control and so used to making decisions all the time, but in situations like these, when our lives are reduced to what we can grab in 30 minutes, we have to live with the consequences with our decisions under duress, and then we question ourselves. So what would you take? Truthfully, I mean, everybody's like, I would grab my Bible, but 
I probably wouldn't because I have a ton of Bibles. I've got the Bible on my phone, and I can buy more Bibles. So um, I'm not that guy that has 100 years of preaching notes in one Bible. So usually my Bibles end up in the hands of other people. Somebody's like, I really like your Bible. I'm like, do you want it? Oh, that would be great. And then it's gone. So I have tried to back up my photos, tried to back up my computer to the cloud. I would grab my dogs. I, yeah, I don't know, maybe pictures. But the things that you can get more of, I mean, I can get more clothes, so I can get another truck. So there's so many things I can get more of. So I see an abundance in that. So I am not grabbing that stuff because I think I know that I have an abundance in those areas. Um, Maybe I grab my homeowner's insurance policy. Actually, no, I have one of those in the safe deposit box backed up. Maybe I grab the safe deposit box key. That would probably be helpful. Of course, that's not going to burn. So what is it that you feel that you're lacking? What is it that you treasure and does it have eternal value? Because someday you're going to die um, unless the Lord returns and takes us. But you're going to die, and then your stuff is going to be gone through by your relatives, by your kids, by who's ever left. Uh, somebody's going to take the things that you valued the most and decide what to do with them. What are you doing with your treasures, your possessions now? What are the things that you value? What are the things that are holding you back? I heard a story of some people that were called to missions and they want, didn't want to go. They're like, well, you know, I'm so comfortable here, really love this house, really love all this stuff, I, I just don't really want to go. Then their house burned down. And they're like, hey, I think we should go be missionaries since we're getting a fresh start, and they did. So did God cause their house to burn because it was holding them back? I, I don't know, I wouldn't say that. But it did set them free to move forward in a new way. And we need to be set free to move forward in a new way. So Paul was uh, talking about his needs being provided. Paul was in prison. Paul was basically like on house arrest. And so people would bring things to supply his needs. And the uh, Philippians did a great job of not only uh, sending stuff, but actually sent somebody to bring their needs. So number one, rewarded through experiencing Jesus. Paul writes in Philippians 4.10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. So maybe they had made a commitment to send gifts and to support him and then maybe for some reason they dropped off and then they maybe found that he wasn't being provided for and they stepped it up again. It says they renewed their care for him. The missionary people that we had here, what was it, last year? Was it last year, the year before? And we went over to those people's houses for lunch afterwards. Uh, They're going to come back again in November, and have we been faithful to pray for them? I have their picture on the bulletin board in my office, those missionaries that are in that place in the world, and uh, when I think of them, I pray for them and think about them. But now we get to hear from their story and what God's been doing in their life, and eventually they'll go back, and we can can pray for them some more, maybe help provide for them through the Great Commission Fund and things like that. As we are serving Jesus, as we are giving to others, we're actually experiencing Jesus. So if we are serving the Lord and we're being provided for, we're thanking God for that provision. We're experiencing Jesus through having our needs met. And when we're providing for others, we are being used of Jesus to provide for those people in need. Sometimes it's not even money. Sometimes it's something that we have that they need that we can give or we can give time or we can give uh, other resources or skills or things like that. But we are rewarded through experiencing Jesus. So many of us say we want to spend our lives doing something that matters. We want, to do, we want to spend our lives doing something of eternal value. But then when it comes down to actually doing that thing, 
It's like, well, you know, I'm too busy. I, I'm afraid I can't spare that. And so we don't trust God as we move forward. And I hope that in our short time together that you will be more encouraged to trust God with your finances and as you give, to trust that he will give back to you, that he will provide for you. So you can be provided for, you can be the provider used by God, and you will experience Jesus through that. So the whole Christian life really is an adventure. A lot of times when we step out on faith and step out on faith, God shows up and then God provides. So we should be praying as we do things. We should be uh, looking for opportunities. We should be looking for needs to, to help give to, provide to, and maybe we should change the way that we uh, value our, our time and our, our resources as the Lord leads us. So those are some of the things that we're going to talk about. Wouldn't it be cool if you were able to have the resources to do great things? I mean, if you won the lottery and you gave half of it for taxes, and then you had the rest to do you know, great things for the kingdom of God, that would be really awesome. Now, the chances of you winning the lottery are less than you being struck by lightning multiple times, but if that were to happen, that would be great. And God would bless that, I'm sure. But if God sees you being faithful in the midst of your bills, your medical bills, your mortgage, uh, all the payments and all the stuff that you have to pay for, and you're generous with what's left over and you actually make sacrifices out of what's left over, God sees that too, and he can reward that, and what a great thing. So one thing that Paul mentioned that is actually on the children's bulletin back there, so if you didn't know, we have a children's bulletin, so when your kids come in, they can go grab a children's bulletin back there, but the theme on the children's bulletin is being content, and Paul says that we are rewarded through being content. He says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, know how to do, make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Content means that you're going to trust God whether or not you have a lot or a little. There will be times in your life, maybe phases in your life, or even seasons of your life where you have a lot and you have a little, and you should be faithful during all those times. Uh, Sometimes, like young families, when they're getting started, they don't have a lot. And then the kids are growing up and Hopefully the teenagers turn into adults and get jobs and pay their own way, and then you uh, have more financial resources sometimes as your life goes on. And so different seasons can make you more generous, different seasons can bring you more stuff, more resources, higher pay, things like that, and then you hit like your retirement, and then it kind of flips around for some people. Actually, retirement can be the best time for you to volunteer and to serve the Lord. And even trusting God during your retirement makes a lot of sense. So to be content. Are you content? Do you look around with what you have or what you don't have, praying for your needs, and say, it's enough. So, Lord, thank you for this. This is enough. Lord, thank you for this. I would like that, but I have this. Thank you. I'm content in the Lord. The things that I have or don't have don't drive my love for the Lord. Matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 6, it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Hebrews 13.5, Keep your lives Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself 
said, I will never leave you or abandon you. So God knows what you can do with money. So God might choose to give you a lot of money, and he'll know, he knows that you're going to be faithful with that, and that's not going to pull you away from the relationship that you have with the Lord. Other people, God knows that he gives you too much, then you're going to be off doing all sorts of other things, distracted from serving God and living from God. So maybe he wants you to live paycheck to paycheck in that way. But to think about the things that you can do and the things that you have and the things that you choose to keep and the things that you choose not to have and all of those things make a huge difference in your life, a huge difference in the way that you live your life. So you shouldn't sit there and judge what somebody has that you don't. Uh, you know, some people have small houses, some people have big houses, some people have little cars, some people have big cars, but you have to ask yourself, you know, they're responsible to God for the choices they make, and maybe they need to use that resource for something. So I remember when I first got married, I had an index card, remember those little index cards, that uh, I would put a hash mark on each time I needed four-wheel drive. And so Julie and I, we shared a car, one car, for 10 years. So I'd walk to work and stuff. I lived close enough. But we shared this car for 10 years, and I always wanted a four-wheel drive truck. But I'd write down in an index card when my front-wheel drive van wasn't sufficient. And usually I'd come up with two or three times a year. So it wasn't enough to, you know, justify making that purchase. So but now that I serve here and do what I do, my four-wheel drive truck totally justifies the purpose uh, and the, the need. And so it makes total sense, and I'm thankful for it, and I'm able to help people with it, and it's, it's good. So you got to think about what you got, what you need, what the Lord wants you to have, and what you're going to do with it. So um, we are able to make a huge difference. In the um, book by Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson, a book from 2016, he tells a story about dominoes. And Chase the Lion, Mark Batterson writes that in 1983, Lorne Whitehead published an article about the domino chain reaction. You can picture it in your mind, can't you? You knock over a domino, and it sets off a chain reaction that can knock down hundreds of dominoes in a matter of seconds. But the unique significance of Whitehead's research was discovering that a domino is capable of knocking over a domino that is one and a half times its size. So a two-inch domino can topple a three-inch domino. A three-inch domino can topple a four-and-a-half-inch domino, and a four-and-a-half-inch domino can topple a, well, you get the point. By the time you get to the 18th domino, you can knock over the leaning tower of Pisa. Of course, it's leaning, so that's not fair. The 23rd domino could knock over the Eiffel Tower, and by that time, by the time you get to the 29th domino, you could take down the Empire State Building. In the realm of mathematics, there are two types of pro progression, linear and geometric. Linear progression is a 2 plus 2 equals 4. Geometric progression is compound doubling. 2 times 2 equals 4. And if you take 30 linear steps, you're 90 feet from where you started. But if you take 30 geometric steps, you've circled the earth 26 times. And he writes, faith isn't linear, faith is geometric. Every decision we make, every step of faith we take has a chain reaction. And those chain reactions set off a thousand chain reactions we aren't even aware of. They won't be revealed until we reach the other side of the space continuum. So think about that as you are rewarded to fuel the need, the church, rewarded to fuel the church and fund the needs. So Paul writes, Philippians 4.13, I'm able to do all things through him who gives me strength. So that's not, uh, that just, that's not a blanket statement that says, you know, you're, you can win the marathon if it's not God's will. It's not a blanket statement, but it's everything that God wants you to do. Everything that Christ wants you to do, you can do everything through Christ's strength. 
So Paul writes, still you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in my early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. So God can use you to provide needs, to provide for the church. What are the chain reactions from us gathering together for how long have we been here? Almost 16 years of people worshiping and serving. Some people come in and they go out and they go to other churches or they serve other places. I know some of these people are still walking with the Lord, uh, people that we've led to Christ or have moved away and still serving the Lord. I think I mentioned a while back I was in the grocery store parking lot and someone came up to me and said, hey, that Bible study that you guys used to have outdoors over the summer, I just want you to know that when I got out of the military, my life was a mess and you guys helped me get on the right track and I'm serving the Lord today and I just want to thank you for that. So chain reactions. When you are faithful to serve the Lord, faithful to invite people to church, faithful to provide for the church, faithful to provide and fund the needs of others, could it be more than just a one little thing that you can see, but something eternally significant of people's lives being changed, of people that are doing great things for the Lord uh, as life goes on? Could the ministry of Bible quizzing be planting seeds in these young people's hearts that will help them to stand strong for the Lord as they're reading and memorizing Scripture? Bible quizzing, youth ministry, adventure club, all these different things can make a huge difference in people's lives. Serving and the ability to serve, offering opportunities for people to come serve the Lord can make a huge difference in people's lives. So when you are serving the Lord in a public manner, in a, in a church or um, in whatever, you're more likely to want to live the Christian life and to do what's right because you want God to bless your ministry and you don't want people that you're serving to think you're a hypocrite. So you can be rewarded to fuel the church and fund the needs as you give, as you use your resources, as you share your time, your treasure, your talents. It could be a huge thing. Think about what can you do in Christ and what does Christ want you to do? What about your life, the things that you're doing now compared to the things that you'd like to be doing and what's keeping you from moving to that place of the things that you'd really want to be doing, the things that God has put on your heart? You should pray about that, prepare for whatever that opportunity is. And I'm going to show you two video clips in a minute of people that have made choices to live wisely, to be content, and even use their life to make a difference in other people's lives, even though they might not get much out of it. So uh, Hebrews 13.6 says, Therefore, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And then Psalm 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates and I give thanks to him with song. So when we're weak, we're strong. When we allow Christ to work in our life, we can do amazing things. 2 Corinthians 9 from the New Living Translation. So I know all the Bible quizzers are going to be like, we're memorizing this in a different translation. But still, it fit me better, so I didn't use the NIV. So, all right. It's going to twist your mind and you're going to see it in another light, but it's the same thing because it's God's word translated. All right. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gift to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers 
uh, to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, the gospel. So to fuel the needs of the church and fund the needs of others brings glory to God. And what an awesome thing. And you'll be rewarded through your sacrifice. So not that I seek the gift, I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. What account? Your heavenly account. Your eternally significant account, your treasure stored in heaven. Nobody really knows exactly what that means, but God said it, and therefore there must be something for you being set aside in heaven for eternity. And what a great thing to think about that. To think I'm living my life for rewards. I'm living my life to glorify God. I'm living my life because I know that today isn't just it, but there is an eternity, and I'm storing up treasure for heaven. And as I give, I see that God knows and God rewards. So here's the first story of honoring God with your time, treasure, and talents. So my wife and I have been married for nine years. We have four kids. We had a lot of disagreements about finances and where our money should go. Our finances were really tight because of the fact that we were just not planning well. A lot of times it was just a completely stressful situation of knowing that we're living paycheck to paycheck and we are struggling to make ends meet. We would usually try and pay all of our bills down first and then whatever was left, it's like we might tithe. We never really felt like we had the money to do it. So then we took that Dave Ramsey's class and one of the things that he talks about is, you know, people say that a lot is I've paid all my bills and then at the bottom there's no money left to tithe. And I love his statement where he says, well, you have your budget upside down. You tithe first, then you start with your bills. That really opened our eyes that God wants you to give the first of your fruits and he tells you to test him on it. My wife and I were debating, uh, should we go ahead and just start giving the full amount of, of 10% of our income? And we were really nervous about it. We, we put it on a budget and we saw that it was gonna be negative. On paper, it, it wasn't gonna work. We prayed about it and we just took that leap of faith and we decided to do it and just trust God. There were times where we were really close to not being able to pay a bill. No matter what the situation was, God always sent the money somehow. A few months later, I got a promotion at work which came with a sizable salary increase. It was completely unexpected. We adjusted our tithe to match that salary increase. We knew that we were putting God first in our finances and every first bit of our finances was going to God and that ultimately took the money fight out of it. The church in their bulletin actually has their budget and what really made me feel good is I helped contribute to that. We kept faithfully giving. Um, it really helped our marriage as well. When we first started tithing, I also made the decision that I was gonna start volunteering at the church. It's good to know that, that I'm making a difference, not only with my tithing, but with my time. Another one of somebody that is actually sharing their lives with other people. So it's not that they're just writing a check, but they're actually like making themselves available to other people in an amazing way. Five years ago, my husband and I decided that we wanted to start looking into starting a family. 
We were pretty typical two-income married people. We had a house, we had two new cars, but a lot of it felt really empty. And so we kind of started questioning, what if we started doing things differently than what the American uh, standard life looked like? So we um, looked into adoption and then ultimately into foster care. Some of the concerns that you have when kids go back to biological parents is that you don't get to know how they are, you don't get to know if they're safe, you don't know if their situation has really improved or changed. Um, so all in all, we've had eight foster kids in the last four years, two of whom we have gotten to adopt. We noticed when we were fostering that most of our kids' mothers became parents as teenagers. And we started talking about what was out there as a safety net for these young moms before their kids were removed by the state. And that's how it came upon Young Lives. During that time, I met a 17-year-old girl who was pregnant and she was in a living situation that was less stable. So Matt and I, we started talking about um, having her move in. We knew that that meant that the plans that we had were gonna be put on hold or completely thrown out. Biggest concern was finances. You know, my husband's a teacher. We're now a family of six, but we just felt like the Lord said that he would provide. And so we moved her in in June and she had her baby in August. And uh, I got to drive her to the hospital and stay with her. So I got to hold her hand while she gave birth. It's a huge privilege to walk in motherhood with her, to raise our babies next to each other. We feel like our most effective ministry is being tangible, consistent, stable. I am here for you no matter what. We wanted to help her do whatever it is that she was wanting to do, which was college. Um, we're sacrificing things for her financially, time-wise. Um, you know, I keep the baby while she's at college. Every month there's uh, stressors, just like every other family. Um, a car breaks or someone needs new shoes or whatever. And every month um, we see God's power um, and his provision show up in um, small ways and huge ways. Um, sometimes I don't know how we're gonna get through the month. I'm more dependent on him than I was four years ago. And I'm more in love with him than I was four years ago because of it. All right, so there's two stories of the way that people have chosen to spend their time, their talent, and their treasure. And additional resources are available to you at the Right Now Media site. If you search biblical finances at the bottom of your outline, you see there's a link there for you. Rightnowmedia.org forward slash library slash 15. Uh, has resources from Crown Financial Ministries, Dave Ramsey, Randy Elkhorn. There is a class, online class you can take for $15 from Crown Money Life Personal Finance Study, or you can do Financial Peace University online. There is a group of us that wanted to go through Financial Peace Uni University. We could do that, but I've asked around in the past, and I've never found a group that's able to get together for the 9 to 13 weeks, but that is possible too. But there's lots of self-help resources there for you and your finances. So, rewarded by receiving all you need. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, God, who has all the riches in the universe, heavenly resources to provide for
for all of your needs. Who was your? The people that provided for Paul, the people that were faithful with giving. It's a conditional promise for those people that were faithful to provide, faithful to give. Because of their faithfulness, God will supply all of their needs. So it doesn't mean that God's supplying the needs of everybody, everywhere, just because. But what it's saying is because you were faithful, Paul's saying because you were faithful, God is going to pay you back. God is going to be faithful to provide for you. God is going to be faithful to provide all of your needs. Not all of your wants, but all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, in Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give everything you need. So we seek God first, and He provides. We seek God first, and He provides the things that we need. Sometimes we don't get because we don't ask. James 4, 2-3, we want... You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it, but you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war and take it away from them, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So think about what it is that you need. Have you asked God for it? Think about, are you praying for it? Think about what it is that you think you need. What is your motive? Why do you want it? Is it something that you truly need? Is it Is it going to be better for you spiritually and to make a difference in the world, or is it just something that you think would be really awesome to have? Um, A Harley-Davidson motorcycle could help you reach lost people for Christ, but it might also distract you from serving the Lord. So it might be unsafe too, I don't know. So, and then number six, last point, rewarded through bringing God glory. So when people receive needs they've been praying for, they glorify God, as we read in 2 Corinthians. When people are provided for, it glorifies God. When you sacrifice and give to the Lord faithfully with your resources and your time of the resource, the treasure, the things that you have, your talents, it glorifies God. You show value. You're worshiping God. It's part of worshiping, encouraging, or evangelizing, learning, and loving. So what you do with your time, talents, and treasures makes a huge difference and shows really where you're at in Christ. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. Your generosity to them and all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. They will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. So we have an opportunity every moment to show that God matters in our life, to show that He matters by the way that we spend ourselves, to spend our lives, spend our time. And if we live with the attitude of abundance that God can provide, that God will provide when we're in His will, then we can expect great things from God. And as that happens, write it down. Make yourself like a little journal or a piece of paper or whatever and say like, on this day I prayed for this and this is how God provided. So there's, I could share for a long time and I've already shared some of them, but the way that God has provided in amazing ways. So I'll share one and I'll be done. Before coming here to start this church many years ago, we were living up on the Iron Range and we had an okay house. It was right on the lake. There was only, it's kind of like in Jordan, you know, how there's a few houses in that little lake. It's kind of the way it was in Chisholm. We had a, we were one of the few houses on the lake. But anyway, so to move here, we had to sell our house. But the mines were laying people off and things weren't selling and values were going down. So we prayed about it and made a commitment to come here to Belle Plaine to get the only house that was available at the time where we live now that would work for us. And so we prayed about it. We put our house up for sale, and the pastor of the church I was working for said, it's a, it's a commitment. Once that for sale sign goes up in your front yard, you're telling the church, basically, that you're heading out. So, and so we made that commitment to trust God. And 
Somebody that grew up in that area uh, was being sent back. He was a military recruiter, and he came to our house, and I said, he said, I want this house no matter what. This was the house that everybody hung out when we were kids. I want this house. And so God provided in an amazing way of, he knew that we were coming here, we needed to sell our house, so when a bad economic time, our house sold so that we could come here, and God provided in that way. We, stepped, we didn't know this at first. We didn't test the waters and do one of these coming soon listings. We just stepped out in faith, and God provided. And so many times you step out in faith, and then God provides. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you've given us your word. Thank you for what you did in the life of the Apostle Paul and how he was so faithful. He was imperfect. He was the chief of sinners, Lord. He did some really bad stuff, but you forgave him and used him to do great things, Lord. He wrote much of the New Testament. And as an example to us, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, we are shown how to live, Lord. And we pray that we would be faithful with our time, our talents, our treasures, faithful with the way that we spend our time, faithful in living with an attitude of abundance, knowing that you can provide what we need. Lord, we need to ask for it. We need to be wise in what we spend and what we do. But as we give, we pray that you would bless us, Lord, that you would bless us abundantly so that we can continue to be generous and continue to do more. And as we put you first with our finances, Lord, we pray that you would provide us with the health and the wealth and the resources and uh, the um, close relationship we desire with you. So we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll sh- share a testimony of abundance too. This guitar that I'm playing today uh, was provided, I, I came across some money in an unusual way. And so I had this guitar made for me. The wood is koa because my wife and I love going to Hawaii. Um, and I could buy a guitar anytime I want. And with most musicians, how many guitars do you need? One more, right? Um, so I could buy a guitar at any time. But I wanted to be responsible with my money. And, and God provided this guitar. So when I had it made, up here on the key, it says, All for Jesus. Um, because I want to use what I have for Jesus. So he doesn't just always supply our needs. Sometimes he supplies more. He's a God who wants to do abundantly more for us. In Matthew chapter 25, there's a passage where Jesus talks about separating the sheep and the goats. And he's talking about the, the end times when he returns and he's going to judge those who are going into heaven those who are not. And here's what he says to the righteous. It says, then the, or the righteous will say to him, then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see, see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. As we give back to Jesus, it's an opportunity for us to be that person giving a cup of water. Uh, giving the clothes, to visiting the prisoners, to, to taking the message of Jesus Christ and his love to others. And I am so thankful that this church has been so generous and that we've been able to do so much. But there's so much more to do. And so as each dollar is given, we have opportunity to do more. And it's amazing what God can do with what we give to him because it's always more than what we could do if we held on to it. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that we're able to give back to you. And Lord, that you do amazing things with each dollar that's given. And Lord, we want to be that cup of fresh water to those who are thirsty. We want to be that word of encouragement to those who are hurting. Lord, we want to be the one who comes alongside and helps people through difficult times. 
And we pray, Jesus, that we would be able to do that. And we pray that you would supply all of our needs, Lord, according to your riches in Christ Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.